Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Compromised special Hunter Biden counsel is so terrified of whatever is going to happen next that he had the compromised witness Smirnoff, who made it all up, re-arrested yesterday while the man sat in his lawyer's offices in Las Vegas. And a retiring Republican congressman is so enraged about whatever is going to happen next that he has gone against his party and publicly reiterated that James Comer and Jim Jordan knew from the start that Smirnoff's Russian intelligence driven smears against the Bidens were uncorroborated and they lied about it inside Congress and outside Congress to the public. And Merrick Garland is so not terrified and not enraged about whatever is going to happen next, that he has done nothing. The Comer-Jordan-Weiss-Smirnoff scandal is by itself an international plot to once again manipulate the presidential election on behalf of Vladimir Putin. And it is also part of an even larger ongoing international plot to manipulate all of American politics and all of American government. And the big announcement out of the Department of Justice yesterday was that Merrick Garland, Attorney General of the United States, has just appointed the department's first ever chief AI officer. For Christ's sake... 
can the first ever chief AI officer at the Department of Justice get somebody goddamned arrested here? If Merrick Garland will not appoint a special counsel to probe and subpoena Comer and Jordan and Weiss and a dozen other Republican politicians, President Biden must fire Garland today. There are Russian agents inside our country, again, metaphorically seizing territory as certainly as if they had just landed by parachute in North Dakota. Merrick Garland is the goddamned attorney general, and he has to crush James Comer and crush Jim Jordan and crush David Weiss and Ted Cruz and all the others. And oh, by the way, there is even more of an existential reason for Garland to act today, namely that ultimately this is all Merrick Garland's fault. Because as we now know, the attorney general did such a half-assed job reviewing whether or not there was a need for a Hunter Biden special counsel that he elevated David Weiss to that position without bothering to check if the FBI document that supposedly rationalized it, not justified it, just rationalized it. He didn't even check to see if that was a pile of nonsense that now we know was concocted in the Kremlin and spread to the lone, quote, whistleblower or informant or Russian plant. The phrase is Russian plant, whose own personal record was and is so sketchy and had more red flags on it than a Russia Day parade that he shouldn't have been let into the FBI on a tour, let alone as some kind of credible witness. And this prosecutor, David Weiss, fell for him or was his client and Merrick Garland fell for David Weiss. Just as Merrick Garland fell for Robert Herr. And he still hasn't done what he needs to do to kneecap Robert Herr before Robert Herr goes into Congress to smear Joe Biden again on our dime, by the way, while being reimbursed with taxpayer funds in front of a congressional committee as early as two weeks from Monday. Garland, by the way, has four options about Robert Herr. Make Herr retract his own inane medical speculations from his special counsel report, retract them for him, prevent Herr from testifying, or get creative. Find a way for Robert Herr to start next week as the district attorney at the uh, U.S. research facility at McMurdo Station in Antarctica. And without even detouring back to Merrick Garland's original sin, the foot dragging about Trump since 2021, which may yet just cost us our democracy, back to Garland and David Weiss and Comer and Jordan, because now the Republican congressman Ken Buck of Colorado has again hit the essence here that the Smirnoff FBI document stank from the start. Quote, we were warned at the time that we received the document outlining this witness's testimony that the credibility of this statement was not known. I certainly didn't have any evidence outside the statement itself that it was credible. Ken Buck says Jordan and Comer knew that, ignored the caveats, ignored the warnings, and lied to Republican and Democratic congressmen and, of course, to the American public and lied and said they had a smoking gun and lied. The only smoke Jordan and Comer ever had was the smoke they were blowing up every American's ass. The document wasn't credible. 
The witness wasn't credible. The idea that any of this connected to Joe Biden wasn't credible. The argument for a special counsel about Hunter Biden wasn't credible. The special counsel himself wasn't credible. What's more, despite their continuing bluster, their continuing participation in this treasonous scheme directed by Russian intel, that would be Russian intel coming from Russia, despite their continuing bluster about this, to try to impeach the sitting president of the United States with Russian fabrications and Russian lies in an American election year, despite their bluster, Oh, we're still going ahead with it. The Republicans are actually doing more to kill and bury this plot than Merrick Garland is. Comer and Jordan had a page on the House Oversight Committee website devoted to the, quote, impeachment, unquote. Under the heading key evidence on that page, they listed a timeline. They listed dealings with foreign countries. They listed bank records, IRS whistleblowers, transcripts, follow-up letters. And then item seven on this list, quote, FBI Form 1023, alleging then Vice President Biden engaged in bribery and extortion, ultimately received $5 million from a Burisma executive, unquote. Guess what? Disappeared off that Web page yesterday or maybe even late Wednesday. Item seven, no more reference on the phony impeachment page to the phony FBI form 1023 from the phony informant Smirnoff. It's gone. The Comer Jordan list jumps now from follow up letters to some bank memo. They've scrubbed it. They've washed it. They've deleted it to use Trump brain damage speak. They poured bleach on the website. But Jamie Comer's e-traffic. The Republicans are trying to memory hole the evidence of their own complicity in this treason and as typically immoral and disloyal as that is, because, of course, they're doing that. They are Republicans. They are scum. At least it shows evidence that the Republicans are aware, in a way that Merrick Garland is not, that they have been caught. Comer and Jordan are conspirators running this end of yet another Russian-driven coup attempt, and that special counsel David Weiss is either a spectacular fool or a Comer-Jordan accomplice, but at least all of them appear to be moving on from the Biden impeachment plot to the Biden age plot. While Merrick goddamned Garland is sitting in his office trying to clean his spectacles. We are where we were in 2016. A plot, one they are not even devoting a lot of time or effort trying to disguise, let alone actually hide. A plot originating somewhere in the Kremlin or in the kindest interpretation, merely utilizing ideas and operatives working for somebody who is somewhere in the Kremlin, reaching into an utterly overtaken Republican Party to influence, alter, fix the presidential election. And the Department of Justice, under an attorney general appointed by a Democratic president, is again sitting there with this attitude of, well, we'll get cracking on this in 100, 200 years or so. We wouldn't want to look politically subjective here. He's stalling. 
He's stalling until he can trot out the great book of unwritten Department of Justice rules. So he can open it up to page 1,232,143, where it says you can't do anything that might impact an election after 60 days before the election. Or is it 90 days? Or is it four goddamn years? And at heart, this is because Democrats are still in key positions at the Department of Justice, laboring under the delusion that the Department of Justice could never be corrupted by Republicans, and under the other delusion that the other political party is American. Oh, I'm sorry. I know the Republican candidate just tried to metaphorically assassinate the Democratic candidate, but because it's only 90 days until it's only 90 days until it's only 90 days until the election, we can't do anything about it now. Sorry. How many times do we have to walk through these steps? The guy, Smirnov, I think that's a Russian name, who two weeks ago was still the centerpiece of a politically corrupted special counsel investigating Hunter Biden for having done nothing. This guy has now been arrested by the same politically corrupted special counsel investigating Hunter Biden. And this special counsel is now so terrified of how this could all turn out that when he could not get the court in Nevada to have the guy's bail revoked so the guy would not flee the country or get thrown out of a window or both. When he couldn't get the Nevada judge to do that, the special counsel went to a different judge in California and he got a new version of the same arrest warrant. And he had Smirnoff rearrested yesterday. So maybe they can keep him in a jail in California for a while on the goddamned first floor, please. And the guy himself, this Putz Smirnoff, is now so terrified of how this could all turn out that he has not only confessed to telling a completely fictitious story about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, he has also thrown in this detail that the story was being distributed by people connected to Russian intelligence. And the attorney general is doing nothing. I want baseball bats. I want... Department of Justice agents with baseball bats dragging off Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan and Grassley and Cruz and David Weiss and the rest of these guys who have had their honesty and their loyalty to this country removed somehow. And at minimum, I want people to have to spend 24, 36, 48 hours wondering where they are. The disappearance of James Comer today... Where's Chuck Grassley? Where's Ted Cruz? Did we check the podcast studio? And at minimum, if and when they are released, I want Jordan to be forced to keep his goddamned sport coat on forever. From the latest CNN report on this, quote, FBI officials continue to believe that Smirnoff lied about the Burisma bribes in part because of his antipathy against the Bidens. Just figured that one out over at the FBI, did they? From the same CNN report on this, 
quote, the FBI and at least two Trump-appointed U.S. attorneys, Scott Brady in Pittsburgh and David Weiss in Delaware, knew of the FBI's inability to corroborate Smirnoff's claims, unquote. After which Weiss got himself promoted to special Hunter Biden counsel and began to try to put Hunter Biden behind bars and his father in a witness chair at an impeachment. From the latest New York Times report on this, Smirnoff told his FBI handler what prosecutors say was a brazen lie, unquote, about the Bidens. Quote, the explosive claim was leaked to Republicans, unquote. Where are the perp walks? Who leaked it? To which Republican? Why aren't they being questioned in an interrogation room today and in front of a grand jury on Monday? Why hasn't the head of the FBI been fired? Why hasn't whoever runs internal security at the FBI been fired? Why hasn't whoever runs liaisons between the Republicans in the House and the FBI been fired? Why hasn't just the step been taken to suspend the Hunter Biden special counsel investigation and to suspend the special counsel who is either a part of this plot or at best has been completely fooled by it? And again, zoom out. There's been an active, robust Russian intelligence operation with at least tendrils reaching into this country at this hour with enough juice and enough collaborators inside the law enforcement community and enough collaborators inside the Republican Party to say nothing of all the morons to blow up a plea deal, to get about halfway to putting the president's son in jail for crimes he did not commit, and to impeaching the current president of the United States eight months and change before the election. There is a Russian ring operating inside this country now strong enough to have started the impeachment process. And where are the arrests? Where is the press conference? Where is Merrick Garland at the bare minimum saying, we have turned this case over to special counsel Smith because Mr. Smirnoff has acknowledged that what he was doing was part of Russia's support for Trump. God, I hope Merrick Garland has a good excuse, like he's in a coma, because he might as well be. Now, I got to rewatch the Alec Guinness version of the John le Carre novel Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy again this weekend because I am confident I will learn more about the Comer Smirnoff scandal watching it than I will watching American TV news or reading American news because as one of the British researchers in that story who knew that her English spy chiefs were getting played by the Russians that they thought they owned, as she put it in the script, Igor's gotten the better of cover again, and that's nothing new. Because right now, the question in American political discourse, the only question should be about the Comer Smirnoff scandal. And it should be phrased, as Brian Boitler of Off Message phrased it perfectly, what did the Republicans know and when did they know it? Also of interest here, reminder, Thursday, December 7th, the Countdown with Keith Ulriman State of the Union postgame show live on YouTube right after State of the Union.
from iHeart World Headquarters in New York. Meanwhile, also, also of interest here, CPAC has started, and you know what that means. The loonies take all of their shrooms and get really loony. And so a quick mix and match quiz for you to think about. Who said it? And what did they say? Who said it? Matt Schlapp, Charlie Kirk, Jack Posobiec are your choices. The statements are A, we are going to end democracy. B, I want Coca-Cola to sponsor live telecasts of the executions of Trump's enemies. And C, say, fella, can you give me a lift back to the hotel? That's next. This is an all-new edition of Countdown. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. My crazy friend. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, Dateline Tempe, Arizona. 
Belated congratulations to Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs for having scored his 50th and 51st goals of the season in just his 54th game of the season against the Arizona Coyotes. Especially fitting because Matthews grew up watching the Coyotes and the goals came in Mullet Arena. And this next great young hockey star has been rotting so long with the underachieving Maple Leafs franchise that male pattern baldness has begun and he is literally styling kind of a mullet. This is said in sympathy and not in criticism, but Austin Matthews is the Mike Trout of hockey. If you have never heard of Mike Trout, he is the baseball player, maybe the overall best baseball player of the last 50 years, who is not a known figure outside his own game because he has gotten into exactly three postseason playoff games because, like Matthews, his franchise is institutionalized suck. Austin Matthews is going to win his third goal-scoring title in just eight years as a professional, maybe his second MVP, and so far he has played in 50 National Hockey League playoff games. That's eight playoff rounds, of which his team has lost seven. They have lost nearly three out of every five playoff games Austin Matthews has played in, and I'm thinking it ain't his fault. Part of the problem is, I think, that within the hockey bubble, Matthews hitting the 50-goal mark was treated as if it were akin to winning in the playoffs. And it ain't. Or winning the Stanley Cup. And, And it also ain't. I actually wrote a story in real time about the last year the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. This took place in May 1967. When I say I wrote it, I mean I wrote it. I mean, I wrote it by hand in the mimeographed pages of the Wolf Times, which was the homemade newspaper of my fourth grade homeroom class. Dateline Lake Placid, New York. You know what 44 years ago tomorrow is? You know what 44 years ago yesterday was? With that cheer, the biggest upset in Olympic hockey history was complete. The United States 4, the Soviet Union 3. And the fans who packed the Olympic center felt as much a part of the win as the players did. I really thought Russia would win. I really didn't think the United States could pull it off. But I'm so proud of them. (laughs) Oh, wow. Tremendous. Unbelievably tremendous. I I just don't know what else to say. I'm so psyched. It's just... Just an uplift for to see them win and to see them do so well against the Russians. After the game, thousands spilled onto the streets. There were tremendous firecracker displays and chants of we're number one. Keith Olbermann, Lake Placid. Fantastic! Thanks, Keith. Great report. And Dateline Boston. While we are talking hockey, a shout-out to one of my oldest friends in broadcasting, Jack Edwards. Since 2005, the voice of the Boston Bruins or as we like to put it, Jack's new job. He and I go back to 1984 when Jack was working in Providence and I was the sportscaster at Channel 5 in Boston and I quit that job and he succeeded me there. I tried to hire Jack to join me in local news in L.A. a few years later and then finally we were reunited when I got to ESPN in 1992. Nobody in sports has ever enjoyed himself more on the air than Jack. Nobody. But two years ago, as Jack has now gone public to the Boston Globe, he began to notice a change. 
As the writer Chad Finn, who did the story, puts it, he has sounded different in recent seasons, slower. His speech is sometimes slurred. Certain words unpredictably require elongated enunciation. Jack, who I am honored to say listens to this podcast and is as supportive a friend personally and professionally as you could have, says he has undergone seemingly every diagnostic test imaginable and, quoting him, I did not have some kind of accident. I do not have cancer. I don't have dementia. I haven't had a stroke. All of that has been confirmed by mass general neurology. It doesn't fit in any slot. There have been a couple of guesses, but they haven't made a definitive diagnosis, and they've been working on me for a year and a half. It's very frustrating, as you can imagine, for me to have this slowdown in my speech. They've done tests that seem like I'm going through some sort of science fiction scene, but it's really true. The images of my brain literally reveal nothing. That's my joke with them, Jack says. I'm treating it like an in-season injury, something that's going to get better. If I or Nesson, his network, decide that I'm hurting the product or costing the fans an enjoyable experience, I will say goodbye. But we haven't had any discussions like that. I told Jack this, and I meant it, and I mean it still. I've heard touches of what he's talking about. Honestly, I thought he was doing a thing, playing with tempo. I do it here. I do it, and at the age of 65, I'm in the same boat Jack is, time-wise. I do it in ways I have never done it before, and largely because these are the first broadcasts or streamed casts or whatever casts or door-to-door casts that I've ever done that didn't have a deadline built into them, a hard out, as we say. I could talk forever, so I can slow down. But that's not what Jack is going through. So, obviously, I wish him well. I wish him the best. And as I told him, I really think someday we are going to realize that the brain is not one organ, but it's a kind of cooperative consisting of a thousand mini-brains, for want of a better term, specific, precise, and each very vulnerable, but to very different things. And I'll give you this example. When I was 21 years old and I ran cleverly headfirst into the subway train at the stop at Shea Stadium in New York, I was still hearing a loud buzzing sound in my ear when I finally got to see the admissions nurse in the ER in the nearest hospital. She asked me my family contact, and I gave her my father's phone number and name, Theodore. Then she asked me my middle name. I couldn't remember it. My middle name is also Theodore. His Theodore, I could remember. My Theodore, I could not remember. Good luck, Jack. At least you have now gotten to do the famous x-rays of my brain show nothing quote all the best my friend of us on this all-new edition of Countdown. James Thurber was a brilliant humorist and a brilliantly fine damn strategist. He wrote a lot of politics, searing no-prisoners politics, but you will never find any of it because like the great smart writers, he disguised it. In his case, he disguised it as fables. 
the very proper gander, and the peace-like mongoose, and a bunch of Thurber fables you have not heard before on Fridays with Thurber next. First, yes, still some more more idiots to talk about, 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 about the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze. Worse. A kid who fantasizes about watching people being killed on television. Charlie Kirk. Not characters being killed on television. Actual people being executed live on television. Charlie Kirk. The guy with the big balloon for the head. Some of the Nazis are just assuming Trump will regain power. Other Nazis, like Charlie Kirk, are assuming Trump will regain power, and the first thing he's going to do is start killing his political enemies so he can watch. Charlie, that is. Charlie, who wants to watch people being executed on TV. He wants, quote, other death penalties. I think what some of those guys did to Donald Trump to use the instruments of government to destroy the constitutional order, that should be under consideration. Well, that didn't happen, Charlie, but go on with your hallucination. Also, Charlie says kids should be forced to watch executions, and it should be televised and sponsored. Quote, you could fund the government. You could have, like, brought to you by Coca-Cola. And no, I'm not kidding. By the way, I would totally tune in to see some pedo get their head chopped off. Now, note how this evolves. First, he called for executing Trump's opponents. Then he called Trump's opponents pedos. I'm saying this in absolute seriousness. Charlie Kirk needs to be removed from society and forced to be tested for a brain tumor because I am now sincerely terrified that he is desperately, possibly fatally ill. And if there's anything wrong, he should get immediate treatment and it should be paid for by Obamacare. And maybe he should get a transfusion of vaccinated blood. The runner-up, good old Matt Schlapp, the head of CPAC, the sound of one hand schlapping. You got to hand it to Matt. Oh, sorry, that's a bad choice of words. The Daily Beast reports that there are new subpoenas going out. Subpoena is also a tough word for Matt. In his sexual assault case against the male Herschel Walker campaign staffer, one went to an official, quote, who allegedly oversaw the shredding of personal records belonging to Schlapp in the CPAC office days after the allegations broke. But onwards Matt goes, whistling past the straight graveyard, going on stage to say all journalists are trying to destroy America and he's going to punish them by denying them media credentials to get in and see CPAC. And I'm thinking, you're not going to let them in? How exactly does that punish them? Anyway, Matt, get a grip on yourself. Or failing that, get a grip on the guy sitting next to you. And yes, it is the opening of CPAC that has led to the annual wilding of the right-wing psychos. Another one said CPAC exists to replace democracy with Christo-fascism, although he's not one of the bright ones, so I don't think he could spell Christo-fascism. I think he called it something else. Which leads us to our winner, the worst, Christo-fascist General Michael Flynn, who is still somehow running around without a Hannibal Lecter outfit on and six guys wheeling him from place to place. The best president in the world, in fact, the current president that we have in the United States of America is President Donald J. Trump. Everybody's got to get out to vote for Donald J. Trump come this November. He is still the president. General Michael Flynn's newest video. There it is again. You heard it. Trump is still president? 
Another new video, another Flynn hallucination, another fascist fantasy, and more of his prejudices, and this self-defeating claim. Most of the right-wingers are surprisingly easy to understand. They are, to use the old phrase, mental cases. They are as broken and as like, psychotic as, to quote Charlie Kirk, pedos. Lots of them are that sick, and they are compensating for it by giving voice to their fantasies of every subhuman act that they would, well, frankly, gain sexual gratification from. But here's the thing. I'll never understand this. What Flynn just said there, that Trump is president now. This continues to be one of the essences of this mass psychosis, the red badge of stupidity that they call QAnon. And look, if, if you want to fantasize that Trump's actually in charge right now, go ahead. Fantasize whatever you want. You detached from reality a long time ago, General. But if Trump is president now, you're not supposed to say that. Because if he's president now, he can't legally be on the ballot this November. So, General, Trump is actually president now? Sure, whatever you like. It's the end of his second term. He's a lame duck. He's such a lame duck, General. He's not even in the White House. Cool, General Flynn. He can't run for another term. You pretend he's president. We'll prevent him from running for a third term. Is it a deal? General Michael, even Charlie Kirk thinks there's something wrong with him, Flynn. Today's worst person in the world! We all know Harry Truman is still president. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only 
And that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Still ahead on this all-new edition of Countdown, Fridays with Thurber, and I have not given you a new assortment of his epic and epically political fables lately, so I will give you an assortment of his epic and epically political fables, including the peace-like mongoose and the very proper gander. First time for another dog in need. You can help every dog has its day. And by the way, if you hear anything unusual during this segment, Ted is in here with me and will occasionally make noise because somebody moved five blocks away without his written permission. Today, a repeat for the first time ever. This week, I got to meet Smiles. Smiles the dog. You may remember her. A little while back, Smiles suddenly became sick. Lymphoma, cancer. The good news is, no evidence it spread. There have now been three chemotherapy sessions. Smiles has tolerated it wonderfully. She perked up. Monday of this week, Stevie and I were going into the animal hospital, and Smiles and her human were coming out. And she looks great. She came right over to me and, of course, smiled. Gorgeous two-and-a-half-year-old Bernese Mountain Dog. Giant with rich colors in her coat, beaming at me, ineffable happiness shooting through her glorious eyes. She still has more than 20 chemo sessions to go, but right now, the cost is the big worry, more than the effect, which is what you want. So Smiles could still use some help. Andrew is set up, Andrew being her human, a GoFundMe for her at GoFundMe.com. Search Smiles Mountain. That will get to her fastest. Anything you can give will be gratefully welcomed, and just publicizing Smiles will help her too. I'll put the link out again on Twitter, and RTing it can make all the difference in the world. Smiles thanks you, Andrew thanks you, and I thank you. And now, as promised, Fridays with Thurber, and I have not done a bunch of the political fables lately, so let's dive right in. Some of these got him into huge trouble in the 1950s, and I'm happy to think that they would get him into huge trouble in the 2020s. We start with the least political of them, just the fun one, The Mouse Who Went to the Country, by James Thurber. Once upon a Sunday, there was a city mouse who went to visit a country mouse. He hid away on a train the country mouse had told him to take, only to find that on Sundays it did not stop at Beddington. Hence, the city mouse could not get off at Beddington and catch a bus for Siebert's Junction, where he was to be met by the country mouse. The city mouse, in fact, was carried on to Middleburg, where he waited three hours for a train to take him back. When he got back to Beddington, he found out that the last bus for Seabirch Junction had just left, so he ran and he ran and he ran, and he finally caught the bus and crept aboard, only to find out that it was not the bus for Seabirch Junction at all, but was going in the opposite direction, through Pell's Hollow and Grum, to a place called Wimberby. When the bus finally stopped, the city mouse got out in a heavy rain and found that there were no more buses that night going anywhere. To the hell with it, said the city mouse, and he walked back to the city. Moral? Stay where you are. 
you're sitting pretty. The Very Propagander by James Thurber. Not so very long ago, there was a very fine gander. He was strong and smooth and beautiful, and he spent most of his time singing to his wife and children. One day, somebody who saw him strutting up and down in his yard and singing remarked, There is a very proper gander. An old hen overheard this and told her husband about it that night in the roost. They said something about propaganda, she said. I have always suspected that, said the rooster, and he went around the barnyard next day telling everybody that the very fine gander was a dangerous bird, more than likely a hawk in gander's clothing. A small brown hen remembered a time when, at a great distance, she had seen the gander talking with some hawks in the forest. They were up to no good, she said. A duck remembered that the gander had once told him he did not believe in anything. He said, to hell with the flag, too, said the duck. A guinea hen recalled that she had once seen somebody who looked very much like the gander throw something that looked a great deal like a bomb. Finally, everybody snatched up sticks and stones and descended on the gander's house. He was strutting in his front yard, singing to his children and his wife. There he is, everybody cried. Hawk lover, unbeliever, flag hater, bomb thrower. So they set upon him and drove him out of the country. Moral, anybody who you or your wife thinks is going to overthrow the government by violence must be driven out of the country. The Very Proper Gander by James Thurber. The Moth and the Star, and I have a tattoo pertaining to this one, by James Thurber. A young and impressionable moth once set his heart on a certain star. He told his mother about this, and she counseled him to set his heart on a bridge lamp instead. Stars aren't the thing to hang around, she said. Lamps are the thing to hang around. You get somewhere that way, said the moth's father. You don't get anywhere chasing stars. But the moth would not heed the words of either parent. Every evening at dusk when the star came out, he would start flying toward it, and every morning at dawn he would crawl back home, worn out with his vain endeavor. One day his father said to him, You haven't burned a wing in months, boy, and it looks to me as if you're never going to. All your brothers have been badly burned, flying around street lamps, and all your sisters have been terribly singed. Flying around house lamps. Come on now, get out there and get yourself scorched. Big striping moth like you without a mark on him. The moth left his father's house, but he would not fly around street lamps, and he would not fly around house lamps. He went right on trying to reach the star, which was four and one-third light years, or 25 trillion miles away. The moth thought it was just caught in the top branches of an elm. He never did reach the star, but he went right on trying night after night, and when he was a very, very old moth, he began to think that he really had reached the star, and he went around saying so. This gave him a deep and lasting pleasure, and he lived to a great old age. His parents and his brothers and his sisters had all been burned to death when they were quite young. Moral, who flies afar from the sphere of our sorrow is here today and here tomorrow.
The Moth and the Star by James Thurber. Another one. The Owl Who Was God. Once upon a starless midnight, there was an owl who sat on the branch of an oak tree. Two ground moles tried to slip quietly by unnoticed. You, said the owl. Who? They quavered in fear and astonishment, for they could not believe it was possible for anyone to see them in that thick darkness. You too, said the owl. The moles hurried away and told the other creatures of the field and forest that the owl was the greatest and wisest of all animals because he could see in the dark and because he could answer any question. I'll see about that, said a secretary bird, and he called on the owl one night when it was again very dark. How many claws am I holding up? said the secretary bird. Two, said the owl, and he was right. Can you give me another expression for that is to say, or namely, asked the secretary bird. To wit, said the owl. Why does a lover call on his love, asked the secretary bird. To woo, said the owl. The secretary bird hastened back to the other creatures and reported that the owl was indeed the greatest and wisest animal in the world because he could see in the dark and because he could answer any question. Uh, can, can he see in the daytime, too? asked a red fox. Yes, echoed a dormouse and a French poodle. Can he see in the daytime, too? All the other creatures laughed loudly at this silly question, and they set upon the red fox and his friends and drove them out of the region. Then they sent a messenger to the owl and asked him to be their leader. When the owl appeared among the animals, it was high noon and the sun was shining brightly. He walked very slowly, which gave him an appearance of great dignity. And he peered about him with large, staring eyes, which gave him an air of tremendous importance. He's God, screamed a Plymouth rock hen. And the others took up the cry. He's God, he's God. So they followed him wherever he went, and when he began to bump into things, they began to bump into things too. Finally, he came to a concrete highway, and he started up the middle of it, and all the other creatures followed him. Presently, a hawk, who was acting as an outrider, observed a truck coming toward them at 50 miles an hour. And he reported to the secretary bird, and the secretary bird reported to the owl, There's danger ahead, said the secretary bird. To wit, said the owl. Secretary Bird told him. Aren't you afraid? he asked. Who? said the owl calmly, for he could not see the truck. He's God, cried all the creatures again, and they were still crying, He's God, He's God, when the truck hit them and ran them down. Some of the animals were merely injured, but most of them, including the owl, were killed. Moral? You can fool too many of the people too much of the time. The Owl Who Was God by James Thurber. Two more of Thurber's fables, political of nature, the birds and the foxes. Once upon a time, there was a bird sanctuary in which hundreds of Baltimore Orioles lived together happily. The refuge consisted of a forest entirely surrounded by a high wire fence. When it was put up, a pack of foxes who lived nearby protested that it was an arbitrary and unnatural boundary. However, they did nothing about it at the time because they were interested in civilizing the geese and ducks on the neighboring farms. When all the geese and ducks had been civilized and there was nothing left to eat, 
the foxes once more turned their attention to the bird sanctuary. Their leader announced that there had been foxes once in the sanctuary, but that they had been driven out. He proclaimed that Baltimore Orioles belonged in Baltimore. He said furthermore that the Orioles in the sanctuary were a continuous menace to the peace of the world. The other animals cautioned the foxes not to disturb the birds in their sanctuary. So the foxes attacked the sanctuary one night and tore down the fence that surrounded it. The Orioles rushed out and were instantly killed and eaten by the foxes. The next day, the leader of the foxes, a fox from whom God was receiving daily guidance, got under the rostrum and addressed the other foxes from it. His message was simple and sublime. You see before you, he said, another Lincoln. We have liberated all them birds. Moral? Government of the Orioles, by the foxes, and for the foxes, must perish from the earth. And lastly, The Peace-Like Mongoose by James Thurber. In cobra country, a mongoose was born one day who did not want to fight cobras or anything else. The word spread from mongoose to mongoose that there was a mongoose who didn't want to fight cobras. If he didn't want to fight anything else, it was his own business. But it was the duty of every mongoose to kill cobras or be killed by cobras. Why? asked the peace-like mongoose. And the word went around that the strange new mongoose was not only pro-cobra and anti-mongoose, but intellectually curious and against the ideals and traditions of mongooseism. He is crazy, cried the young mongoose's father. He is sick, said his mother. He's a coward, shouted his brothers. He is a mongoose-sexual whispered his sisters. Strangers who had never laid eyes on the peace-like mongoose remembered that they had seen him crawling on his stomach or trying on cobra hoods or plotting the violent overthrow of mongoosia. I'm trying to use reason and intelligence, said the strange new mongoose. Reason is six-sevenths of treason, said one of his neighbors. Intelligence is what the enemy uses, said another. Finally, the rumor spread that the mongoose had venom in his sting, like a cobra, and he was tried, convicted by a show of paws, and condemned to banishment. Moral? Ashes to ashes and clay to clay. If the enemy doesn't get you, your own folks may. The Peace Like Mongoose by James Thurber. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, bass, and drums. Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards. Then it was produced by TKO Brothers, which is Mr. Ray, Mr. Chanel, and Mr. Me. Other music, including some of the Beethoven compositions, were arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olderman theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. 
Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Tony Kornheiser. The Thurber selections are, of course, copyrighted by the Thurber Literary Trust. Everything else was pretty much my fault. Let's count down for this the 257th day until the 2024 U.S. presidential election, the 1,142nd day since Dementia J. Mongoose. Oh, no, I read that wrong. Since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Use the 14th Amendment, the Insurrection Act, the justice system, and anti-Cobra measures to stop him from doing it again while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Tuesday. Do not forget our live YouTube special after the President's State of the Union address on the night of Thursday, March 7th. Bulletins as other news warrants. Till the next time, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.